Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network in association with Mother She Wrote Media. I'm your host, Kimberly Johnson in D.C. Today, my returning guest is D. Knight. He's the host of the Pardon the Insurrection podcast. The last time he was here, we had a lot of fun, so I think we're going to do it again. We're going to talk about politics today. That's what it's going to be about. There was some big news. Anyway, before we get into it, the Start Me Up podcast is independent, listener-funded, and woman-run. Visit patreon.com slash startmeup to see the variety of tiers offered, including the option to get two bonus What's Up episodes per week. Kind of like my online journal where I get a little more personal and talk about whatever is on my mind. There's also an ad-free tier with a much shorter intro. Just visit patreon.com slash startmeup. Now please enjoy my conversation with D Knight. Welcome back to the show, D. It is a pleasure to be back. It's <laughs> wonderful to hear your voice as always. Oh, and you too. And oh my God, we got a day. <laughs> we got a good day to talk. <laughs> Understatement. It's the biggest news in political history. Yes. Uh, it, it is the story of Hunter Biden's gigantic dick. Marjorie Taylor <laughs> Green showing pictures of it on the house. No, Trump got it died and we got him, Kim. We got him. He's going to jail. Oh, okay. Okay. So this just, there's bunches of stuff to talk about today, but I want to talk about jail. And just to preface this, I've never fully believed he's going to go to jail. I'm one of those people who have just said, well, it's up to the judge, whoever decides the sentencing. And obviously this judge in DC (laughs) does not fuck around. And I think she, my mother refers to her as the mom. Because I know that a lot of people from the insurrection have been charged and then she has given them longer sentences than the DOJ has recommended, but not all of them. Some of them have had shorter sentences. She's considered their age, etc. So, like, my mom sees her as the mom, right? The mom judge. And she's pretty much convinced. My mother is convinced he's going to jail almost to the point where this morning we were talking. She was almost yelling at me because I'm like, I don't know, mom, you know, there's all these legal people talking about. They don't know if the logistics of, you know, the um, Secret Service. She's like, I don't care, Kimberly. He's going to jail. (laughs) I'm just like, okay, (laughs) okay, mom. With your mom on this. (laughs) So, okay, now I do think there's a path because of of how she has sentenced people before. Now, this is, of course, if he's found guilty, um, that he would go to prison. Now, it would probably be a white-collar prison, and maybe with the Secret Service, they could have, you know, certain Secret Service watching him during the day, certain ones watching. What do you think about the prison aspect of this? Well, it's it's funny you brought that up, because I was thinking (laughs) about this as well the other day when we got the announcement. We found out which judge would be overseeing his trial. Yeah. Uh, and let me tell you, this lady does not play. She, even though she's a, a former defense counsel, a public defender, uh, she is on that fuck around and find out program. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like, <laughs> like while we had Judge Meta overseeing these Oath Keepers seditious conspiracy cases and sentencing a number of them uh, with downward departures, <clears throat> you know, far below what DOJ was asking for, mm-hmm. this lady is like, nah, if you did the crime, yeah. you got to do the time. Yeah. Uh, and as I would like to, well, I don't know how many of you out there know any black mothers, um, but <laughs> if you do, uh, we are not one to fuck around and play around with our kids. Like they do some shit, they get in trouble. It's plain yeah. and simple. Yeah. We don't play around, mess around. You got to face the consequences. And she's taking that approach to, you know, uh, the yeah. judiciary. Right. So yes, I assume that 
unlike what we're dealing with in Southern Florida, with Judge Cannon, right. who seems to be in the pocket for Trump, this lady is fair. And that doesn't mean that just because she's appointed by Obama, it doesn't mean she doesn't right. have her own biases. But she appears to be willing to put those aside and judge fairly. And if Trump is found guilty, she will do the most fair thing possible. She will look at everyone that she sentenced for their actions on January 6th and their attempt to overthrow the government and how she sent them to prison. And she'll be like, well, the guy who orchestrated the scheme absolutely has to serve some Yes. Yeah, I mean, I see that path. I can see it happening. And, you know, it, before when I was just trying to figure it out and guess, we didn't know who the judge was going to be. But now we know who the judge is, and that's going to change things. And the other thing about this is, you know, last night I was watching, God, was it Chris Hayes? I think it was Chris Hayes or it might have been Joy Reid. Either way, they were talking about how this particular um, setup is is. It's like a speedy trial. What what was the word? I can't remember the way. Rocket that they... docket. <laughs> well, there's the rocket docket. And that's not <laughs> the word they use. But basically, it was that this is set up to be a trial that will happen very quickly because it's only about Trump. Other people are going to be indicted separately. And I guess, you know, like back in the Watergate days, they had all they had all these co-conspirators and it kind of gummed up the work. So, you know, Jack Smith is not messing around. Clearly, he's a smart fucking guy and he knows what he's doing. So this will be probably fast-tracked. And the thing is, is if it is fast-tracked and it comes before, um, well, the way they were saying it, it was like maybe it could be May. But if it's May, then it would, it would mean that Eileen would maybe actually have to push up the court date. But the thing is, is if, if, if they can get this um, case done before th the one in um, Florida, what they were saying is, that it's going to have an influence on the judge's decisions overall because, and also not to, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I just fucked that up. It's going to have an effect on if he's found guilty in this, then people in other uh, court cases are going to be quicker to fold on him. Something like that. I hope I'm getting that right. But it's like, uh, I think. I totally understand that perspective actually. Yeah. Like just having been found guilty on one charge probably right. won't do him any favors. Uh, as far as members of the jury are concerned in any other cases, as well as, I mean, this is like holding a noose <laughs> in front of Judge Cannon in yeah, South Florida exactly. and giving her all the rope she needs. If yes. she wants to hang herself, she can. Yes. Trump's going down. Do you want to burn your credibility yes. trying to bail this moron out of all of his, you know, criminal uh, the, the um, criminal consequences he's facing? She, she can do that if she wants to. Mm -hmm. Probably not the best idea. Yeah, she's young. And she could she could be on the bench for the rest of her life. And if she fucks this up with Trump, they could kick her off. So um, or they I don't know if they could kick her off, but I, I don't know what could be done. But I think they could. But I don't know enough about the legal stuff to weigh in on this other than she could fuck herself really hardcore if she uh, plays it for Trump. So, yeah. And then it means that perhaps if the other if other witnesses or whoever, I don't know, people are not going to die for him because all these people are gonna go to jail and they know they're not gonna go to jail for this guy and this guy's gonna fucking he's old he's not gonna live forever they're gonna be in jail for some dead criminal no they're not gonna do it <laughs> no way i mean he could he could live to be fucking 100 who knows but still it's like i don't think anybody's gonna say oh well i'll go to jail for donald trump especially mike pence <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I'm certain Mike Pence won't because, you know, again, Trump already tried to have him killed once. It's not like he's going to voluntarily die for Trump at this point. No, Pence is, Pence is already giving his testimony to Jack Smith's team, and I think that comes fairly comes through fairly clearly in the indictment. They quote a bunch of things about what happened behind the you know, behind the scenes with Pence. And clearly they could only have gotten that likely from him, maybe the yeah, maybe his chief of staff. But <laughs> no, Pence is not gonna <laughs> ride for this guy. Uh in fact he made his most tepid contribution to the downfall of, of Trump the other day saying mm-hmm. that, you know, someone who doesn't respect the rule of law or whatever the fuck doesn't deserve to be president. Yeah. I mean, congratulations, buddy. You waited two and a half years to kind of <laughs> dip your toe into the water and see if it's warm. <laughs> yes, you spineless fucking jellyfish. Um, I mean, he did the right thing, but that doesn't make him a good guy. He only did the right thing after he tried to figure out how he could do the wrong thing for Donald. And I mean, he called Dan Quayle and it's like, I can't do it, dude. I can't do it. But that does not make him a hero. And of course, I mean, I hope the press doesn't paint him as hero. But I think that it's going to be fascinating watching all of this unfold because it's I mean, the Fonnie Willis thing is going to come in and, you know, Jack Smith and Fonnie Willis are kind of like going to work together. They're not going to go against each other. They both fucking understand who they're dealing with and they know that this guy is a hardcore criminal and they want to see justice served. So they are going to work together. And then now the whole thing is it's like we're on crunch time because we've got like, you know, less than a year and a half away from the midterms or what is it? Yeah, it's like less than a year and a half away. We've got all these court cases. And as we all know, Trump supporters are not going to be swayed. They are going, in fact, oh my God. <laughs> I don't know if you saw this, but Brian Karam, the White House reporter, is at uh, the here or at the um, arraignment. And he filmed this crazy ass fucking old man who was holding up all these signs. And he's just so, Brian walks up to him. He's like, You're a Trump supporter, right? And so the guy, <laughs> he's like, Nuts. And Brian asks him, Are you taking a lot of medications? <laughs> and it just made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> that um, is so dark. <laughs> no, hey, look, he's clearly. I, I occasionally like, love broadcasting. Good job on this one. <laughs> I, I just I love Brian because he takes with him a sense of humor in what he does, and you know I have a few favorites when it comes to reporters. Like I absolutely love Robert Costa. I love him so much. And then Jim. Yes, uh, I'm a fan uh, as well. Yeah, Robert. Costa. And then there's Jim Acosta. I love him. And I love Brian. I think there, but Brian is the one of the three that is fun. You know, he's like silly and fun, and he'll just oh my god, the, when he asked that guy if he was on a bunch of medications, <laughs> that made me laugh. But yeah, so we know these people are never going to. So oh, I was I was conned. They'll never say it. They'll never admit it to themselves. But what do you think is going to be the outcome? Of all of these, you know, regardless of there's trials happen, there will be trials happening prior to uh, the election, and maybe trials going on as the, you know, as they're picking their candidate, and it'll probably be Trump. Um, but what do you think it's going to do? What do you think these trials are going to do in the bigger picture, just for the, you know, I'm going to say four or two or whatever the American public? Okay, that's a that's a lot to digest there. <laughs> first of all. I think once these trials hit the airwaves, much like the January 6th committee uh, hearings did, like this evidence will put such a negative spotlight on Trump that even a number of his, of his supporters, while they might still love the idea of Trump, they're not going to vote for him. They're not going to turn out. I mean, I, I'm certain that he probably 
won't hit 40% approval rating ever again, (laughs) especially once these trials take place. Like he might not even get 40% of the popular vote. Hmm. Um, Second of all, you did. Let's, let's circle back to Mike Pence real quick. Cause of course I certainly don't want anyone to portray him as a hero. Right. But, and and I don't necessarily agree with this, but I'll be his devil's advocate (laughs) for just a moment. Um, Trump did already try to have him killed once. So, it's entirely possible he's scared that if he comes out against Trump, Trump will send a mob toward him and his family. Yeah. So it's entirely possible he's worried about ending up in an early grave if he comes out too forcefully against Trump. Now, I don't believe that. He's an evil motherfucker, just like... <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry. He's an evil motherfucker, just like Trump is. And, and I, no one should give him any credit. But I guess at least he like did the bare minimum requirements right. of his job and defended democracy on January 6th, if he wants to pat himself on the back for that. <laughs> for doing, uh, yes, the bare minimum. But the Bare minimum. But the real heroes, the people that everyone should be celebrating, first of all, Nancy Pelosi, mm-hmm. give that woman a hand. Yes. I mean, she just, oh my God. Like, I, I doubt that we would be in this position uh, with this amount of evidence publicly mm-hmm. available, if not for her idea, mm-hmm. to one, create the January 6th committee, and then two, kick the rabble rousers off the committee and have it be a legitimate functioning body. Because the, the investigation that they um, engaged in provided such a massive trove of public of damning evidence and, and got it in the, into the public sphere in such a way that it made it irrefutable. Like if you look at this indictment by Jack Smith about Trump's attempts to overturn the 2020 election, at this point, most of that information it's already in the January 6th report. Yeah. They already had it. Yeah. Now we I don't know what he's gonna like I don't know what he's gonna present at trial. I'm sure there are things that aren't publicly available information that he has access to. Mm-hmm. But what's in that indictment, large majority of it, we currently know if you've been keeping up with the facts. But another hero, you have to give this man his credit, Jack Smith. Yes. I mean, oh, yes. Trump's been going after this guy nonstop, <laughs> day one, since his appointment. Called him a crackhead a couple of weeks ago. I mean, just banana stuff, right? And this guy, without fear or favor, as they say, um, <laughs> <laughs> he dropped the hammer yeah. on this guy. Yes, he did. Um, <laughs> not only did he get him for the classified documents down in Mar-a-Lago, he got him for January 6th, mm-hmm. in effect. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, it's a wide-ranging conspiracy that started long before January 6th, but that was the day it culminated, and he got his ass for that, too. And he hasn't blinked. Yeah. <laughs> He's, the investigation is still going, and in case people aren't aware, like, yes, the indictments came, grand jury's still meeting, they're still investigating. There are other individuals, again, known and unknown to the grand jury, which was stated in the indictment itself, Jack Smith is continuing to investigate mm-hmm. and other people will be paying consequences. Yes. Yeah. Um, and finally, Mary Garland, that guy's taking a bunch of flack, yeah. a bunch of shit. Um, I mean, this dude played straight face for two and a half years, no matter what was said, mm-hmm. what was said about him. For the left, he wasn't going fast enough. Mm-hmm. For the right, he was like a buck wild prosecutor for investigating Trump. Like, and this dude is like, nope, I'm just here doing my job. Uh, one of the main complaints about Garland's investigation is like the, just the time frame of which it took him to seemingly get started mm-hmm. to investigate these other plots besides the direct attack on the Capitol, like the, the fake elector plot. Well, to be fair to Garland, 
um, John Eastman had his emails and, and such seized early in well, in 2021. Uh, Jeffrey Clark, uh, the head of the Civil Division, mm-hmm. the DOJ, was under criminal investigation nearly immediately. I mean, they fucking seized his phone. Yeah. The Inspector General was like, this this dude got to go. Rudy Giuliani had all his devices seized 2021. I mean, it's not like Garland was sitting on his ass, right? Right. Uh, <laughs> and he had some obstacles to overcome, right? If there was there was one failing, I would say, of of Biden's tenure, it, it's this insistent need to return to normalcy. And, and by that, just, I mean, in this one limited particular case, not firing the FBI director. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, guys. We got Trump on tape. Yeah. We're on email talking to all these people, like trying to convince them to join his criminal plot to overthrow the government. You think he didn't call Chris Ray? Right. Have you seen Chris Ray's name? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we, I'm absolutely sure if Trump was dragging everyone from DOJ in there to help him spread his lies about how the 2020 election was rigged and stolen, of course he called Chris Ray. But yet, Chris Ray spectacularly is absent from any public record whether that be the January 6th report, this indictment, or just any news whatsoever. Like, what the fuck was Chris Ray doing the entire time he's been mm-hmm. in office? I don't know. No idea. It's just unbelievable what's going on. I mean, did, did you ever think we, I mean, did you ever think we would get to this point? Like, especially in like 20, let's just say like, well, let's go to mid, like middle of Trump, um, of the Trump years. And then let's say maybe last year, did you think that this was ever going to happen, these trials, or did you think that maybe there was a chance that he would be the Teflon Don and get away with it? Um, well, maybe you shouldn't trust my judgment on this because <laughs> I felt like in 2017, once we saw uh, Robert Mueller appointed as a special counsel, I was like, oh, he's going to get him. Right. It's over. It's a matter of time. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know, we speculated over certain things about whether Trump could be charged in office or not. And as it turns out, Robert Mueller concluded from the very beginning of his investigation that Trump wouldn't be charged while in office. And I think that is the one linchpin mm-hmm. that saved Trump's ass while he was in office. Um, also, even though Robert Mueller did find Trump likely committed crimes as far as obstruction goes. Bill Barr pulled a fucking fast one on us. Mm-hmm. He was like, well, if there's obstruction, it can't be charged unless it's also charged for an underlying crime. And that was like Trump's get out of jail free card. Yeah. Well, Trump couldn't be satisfied with that, right? Because immediately after that report dropped, where Bill Barr was like, oh, you're totally exonerated. What did Trump do? He got started planning on rigging the 2020 election. Mm-hmm. And when that went south, he was like, well, even though I lost, I'm still going to steal it anyway. Mm-hmm. And once that thing happened on January 6th, I was like, oh, it's over. They're going to get his ass. It might take a minute. It might take a couple <laughs> years. They're absolutely going to nail him for this. And I'll tell you why. No one in Congress is going to sit there and accept the fact that they almost got murdered. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just no one's gonna do that. Oh my god! Like we almost had a bloodbath where our entire legislative branch could have died in a coup, and it, it, look, Joe Biden's not gonna appoint anyone to head up the Department of Justice who's not willing to make sure those wrongs are righted. So yeah. I was I was fairly sure that we would eventually come to this point. Although 
I have to warn people, and, and you know, they're not going to want to hear this. They're going to want to like, oh, DOJ, solve all the problems. Mm-hmm. Lock Trump up. He'll never be a threat again. Well, maybe, but likely the scenario we're looking at uh, is similar to one from 2020. It's, it's mostly going to be up to us to come out mm-hmm. during the election, vote, make sure we get everyone else to vote, mm-hmm. and win enough states so that whatever the Republicans are planning for the next election they can't steal it from Biden because if yeah. Trump does happen to get back in office, likely even if he's convicted of state crimes, mm-hmm. he'll abuse his powers mm-hmm. as the president of the United States to do everything he can do to stay out of jail. Yeah. These federal charges, he'll just install Jeffrey Clark as the fucking, mm-hmm. <laughs> he'll install him as the attorney general and just have DOJ drop the charges. Yeah. Like even as Trump's convicted, he's not going to jail immediately. Right. He'll be out on appeal. Yeah. If he wins the election, you can say goodbye to those charges. So, you know, you got to take your fate into your own hands here. Mayor Garland's done his work. Jack Smith's done his work. Got to do your part. Yeah, and that's such a good point because, you know, I was thinking last night when we heard that Biden won, I think, you know, everybody breathed a sigh of relief and we, we kind of felt like perhaps this would be the time the GOP would distance itself from Donald Trump and maybe learn their lesson and, you know... <laughs> start behaving at least the way they used to. And it obviously they just kept getting worse because Trump maintained control over that base. And that's the bottom line. It's like, you know, I used to think maybe there was an opportunity and I still believe they could have done this and they missed their opportunity. But like Fox News and, well, I don't know why OAN would do it or or Newsmax because they are who they are. But Fox News could have easily started this whole campaign where they you know how tucker always asks the questions why did trump do you know like and he never he he asks the leading questions and then the audience comes up with the answer and they think they come up with it all by themselves and then that's how they're convinced of whatever fox news wants to convince them of and so they could have questioned trump do we really want to see him in the oval office again do we really want to have all this guy they could have started this narrative but for whatever reason they chose not to, maybe it's just money. Um, but the politicians out there who are running against Trump are too afraid to say anything because they know the base is just hardcore. They are a literal cult and they will they will destroy anybody who gets in the way of Trump if they can. And so they won't talk shit about him. I mean, I'm surprised that Mike Pence is actually saying, you know, calling them crackpot lawyers and speaking as harshly as he can for Mr. You know, faux Christian man. Um, he's religious, but in, in the wrong way. So um, he, you know, the fact that he's coming out, and, and when I say the wrong way, meaning he weaponizes it and all that, but I think he believes the version of Christianity that he lives. And the version that he lives, in my mind, is corrupt. And it's just fucking awful. But um, all that said, it, it's like, because the GOP never, the GOP and the right wing media never distanced themselves, they're in this pickle. And I think that it's, I can't, I can't see a scenario where Trump would win at all, although I'm not going to discount it because we've been fooled before and we've, you know, oh, he'll never win. And then, ha So, um, <laughs> <laughs> we were wrong. And uh, just Trump said wrong. We were wrong. But but I don't think it's going to happen this time because of all the shit that's going down. The history. He's no longer that person he was in 2016 that was able to convince a lot of morons that he was going to stop crime on the first day, which, by the way, we still have crime. (laughs) (laughs) He 
wouldn't do that. <laughs> no. Well, he, he the only promise he kept is to, well, you know what? Never mind. What promises <laughs> did he keep? But other than attempting to kill Congress and, and stop the steal, quote unquote. Yeah. Look, I, he, the, the party's toast, right? Their time to get out of this was 2017. We found yes. out with all likelihood that Trump got Russia's help in rigging the 2020 election. And once they doubled down on that, Trump had him because he was like, well, just double down on this. Yeah. Like, OK. And then it's the frog in the boiling pot of mm-hmm. water here. Right. Next thing you know, the thing is cooked. And you're like, how the fuck did we get here? Yeah. What, you're here. Right. So at this point, they've given Trump too much power. They spent too many years like brainwashing the base to believe he's infallible. And this is just a witch hunt. Like they're toast. Mm-hmm. But part of the problem, they also have just outside of the public support for Trump is Trump controls the fucking money Mm -hmm. controls all the money. Mm -hmm. Like the party is going broke Mm -hmm. in multiple States a year before a presidential election. How's that possible? It doesn't make any sense because Trump (laughs) controls all the money, all the small dollar donations. They're going to line the pockets of his fat. And then he's blowing that money on his legal fees. There will be no money left for his fact to dig to uh, distribute back to the party to help them win these elections in 2024. But they can't come out and criticize him because nope. then Trump will just tell his his massive audience not to donate to them. It's mm-hmm. the same problem with Fox, right? He's the moneymaker. Mm-hmm. Like having his back has gotten them probably billions of dollars <laughs> yes. worth of eyeballs on the network. And if they go against him, people will cut that TV off. Mm-hmm. Now I guess Newsmax is probably out of the question because no one's hosting that anymore, but <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they'll definitely go find OAN or some crazy crack pot conspiracy network to get their pro Trump fix with. So they're in a bit of a doozy because they also spend so much time back. The only way out for them at this point is to just keep doubling down until Trump destroys the entire GOP party and then try and build that thing back up from scratch. I mean, that's, 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 that's their only option at this point. Like, it would take, let's put it this way. Republicans can't even unite to come together to take Biden down. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah. Yeah, they can't do it. And, and as going back to something you said, I wish I could remember which state it is. But there's some state that only has the Republican Party only has a hundred dollars. <laughs> I think that was Michigan. Yeah, I think it's Michigan. Oh my God, that's fucking unbelievable. And if and yeah, then, Wisconsin's got thousands of dollars, and like not tens, not hundreds. <laughs> but but and the, and Wisconsin has that new um, Supreme Court judge, and they're they're doing their um, gerrymandering. So you know, Wisconsin Oof. has always been one of those states. And oh, we're going to get that. We're going to get that state back to a, a good situation for Democrats anyway. It doesn't mean it's unfair. It just means it's a better situation for Democrats rather than favoring the GOP. So, Well, I, for people that are unaware about Wisconsin, so the makeup of the state as far as voter concern, or as voters are concerned, it's, it's about 50-50. Mm-hmm. Um, but with like this insane level of gerrymandering going on in the state, like Republicans end up with control of the mm-hmm. state legislative branch, like both the House and the Senate, and they've been in control for years now. Mm-hmm. And like just to <laughs> just to have a single person elected to a position of authority on the Supreme Court there that will give Democrats mm-hmm. um, a majority on the Supreme Court the next time mm-hmm. the voting map is under well the next time the voting map is contested, that judge will rule the gerrymandering in the state is unconstitutional. They'll have to redraw that map, make it even, even if it's just slightly more fair, 
yeah. Democrats are probably going to run away with the state and likely that will add a seat or two in, in the House, in Congress that we'll pick up and might help ensure that we keep our majority. So yeah, that's, yeah. It's, it's incredible how much of a difference one person can make mm-hmm. if you're in the right place. And I'm yeah. sure Trump is probably thinking the same thing. He's like, <laughs> damn, Mike Pence is out here being too truthful. Why can't he just lie? Say the election was rigged and like steal the election. So yeah, one person can make all the difference sometimes. Yeah. And I mean, that's of course going back to all of us voting and, and, and we all, I mean, it, it's so important now. I'm going to tell everybody go, if you, if you're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. David Pepper wrote a follow-up to Laboratories of Autocracy called Saving Democracy. And he said people were skipping to the end because he's like, okay, this is all horrible and awful, so what do I do? And so he wrote this book, Saving Democracy, telling you what you can do. And, oh, my God, he's got some great ideas because one of the things that he suggested is, you know, like going, you could either call up your local council person um, city council person, you can talk and talk about getting maybe public libraries or, you know, where you work, depending on where you work, set up to have voter registration. And, you know, you could just call your city council person and say, hey, I want to see it in every library or whatever it is. And and if everybody would kind of like, it doesn't take a lot of time. It's not like you have to go because there are some people they don't want to canvas. They are feeling nervous about it or whatever. And, you know, there's so many more things you can do than making phone calls and canvassing. And David Pepper outlines that in his book. So there's a lot we can do. And we also have to do our best to try to convince those people out there who are not, you know, regular voters why this is so important. And and my advice would be this. You know, it's like you could go up to someone who maybe doesn't pay that much attention. And if you start talking about the insurrection you're probably just going to get glazed eyes. Figure out, and, and that shouldn't be, but, you know, people are doing their thing and they're not paying attention a lot of the time. But if you can find the nugget they care about, whether it's abortion or book bans or, you know, gay rights or whatever it is, whatever their pet, you know, issue is that they really care about, may, like find out what that is and then explain what the Republicans are doing and say, look, you have a choice here. If you don't vote for them, you're, you're giving them an opportunity to get their way. And it's so important because we, you know, it's like I was going to say before, and I think I went off into a tangent, but when um, Joe Biden won, I think a lot of us felt like it's over. Okay. This is finally over, but it's not fucking over. It's like every election is a nail biter. Every election is a, is like it churns your stomach last fucking, Oh my God. In 2022, I had a meltdown. I was good all the way up until I saw DeSantis and fucking Rubio winning. And I was just like, and, and that was not because of gerrymandering. So, cause it's like a governor's races aren't gerrymandered and neither is the Senate. So I was devastated. I, and, and then I had to go on Mary fucking Trump show and I was in a room alone with Jennifer Rubin, who I've never met or, you know, ever associated with at all. And I was like, I'm freaking out. <laughs> and she's like, <laughs> and Jennifer Rubin's basically like calming me. It was so funny. But um, thank, and then my poor boyfriend. Oh my God. I just was like, I don't want to be alive anymore. I mean, I didn't want to commit suicide, but it was like, <laughs> I hate this world. <laughs> and I was just like, so scared. I was so fucking terrified. And he just looked at me. <laughs> I just think he thought, I don't even know what to do about this crazy woman. Because I was just like, so scared. And so that's what election nights are like now. 
And this is the only way. It's like what you just said. It's got to be burned to the ground, and then they got to find their way back. And I wouldn't it be fucking great? That it's not their makeup. I know there's some article about, like, in Psychology Today or something, about how conservative brains are different than liberal brains. And they think differently, and they come to different conclusions. But wouldn't it be wonderful if, like, what they learned from this was, oh, how can we make life better? And let's fight over how we can make everybody's life better, <laughs> you know, <laughs> instead of our well, own fucking bank accounts. Well, it's funny you even mentioned the difference between conservative ideology and liberal ideology and how that connects to the wiring in people's brains. I mean, I think one good way to put it is conservatives tend to think about what's good for, for me. me. Mm-hmm. And then their policies are typically built around what's good for the one person who designed this policy in the first place. And for you know more liberal individuals, they think about things in terms of what's good for everyone, mm-hmm. even if it doesn't necessarily benefit me all the time, mm-hmm. right? Because Republicans just can't see the possibility that hey, this thing that benefits other people, even though I, you know, they might potentially be a situation where they're more well off than some others in some circumstances or yeah. less well off like they might meet a life circumstance where that thing will also be beneficial to them i mean it's just inconceivable for them in that way but i um i mean i don't want to get into evolutionary psychology that, <laughs> that long it would be a long ass podcast you're like all right I'm, it's day two and, and he's back um but people are wired in certain ways to benefit um, the tribe, right? So hundreds of thousands of years ago, our our previous ancestors lived in in small tribes and you would have some individuals who would think in terms of what's the most safest path that we can, you know, spend our time engaging in that won't be very risk, that'll be very risk averse, that'll be safe. Because, you know, once you make a couple of mistakes out here in this world, it's rough, you end up dying. But you can't quite engage in group survival tactics that way because you need people who are like I'm willing to go out there and hunt I'm willing to go out there and survey the lands I'm willing to go out there and fight against other tribes so those other individuals are not necessarily so risk averse they're willing to take chances and that is how you come to some kind of equilibrium where the tribe is maximized its its potential for survivability and just translates down the generations through our genetics somehow, I guess. I mean, long story short. <laughs> and that's how we end up in a situation where our politics is so highly factionalized. Right? We got two different groups of ideology trying to make rules for how the tribe is supposed to survive. But the problem is when there are so many people involved in the decision-making process, you have to dumb things down quite a lot for people to get on board with them. And that's probably what's causing the large amount of strife in our political system, right? Yeah. At this point, it's like, you gotta say dumb things like, hey, fight for democracy. Cause that's a that's an argument no one no one can fight against, right? Or in like Trump's case, I guess it's build the wall and Mexico will pay like smart people won't go for that, <laughs> but the stupid people will. Yes. And there's a lot of stupid people out there willing mm-hmm. to fall for this, this insane ideology, regardless of what they're being fed. And, yeah. <laughs> That is where we get all these divisions from, and that's how you end up with demagoguery, right? The, mm-hmm. the person who will just come in and has no respect for the facts will say anything to gain power, and he eventually will. Uh, and I guess the only counter to that is that enough people have to 
be bulwarks for democracy to yeah. such a degree that that individual can't run rampant the way, say, the Nazis did in the 1940s. That's that's the path we're headed to. Yeah. Should Republicans take back power? And it's not just Trump, right? At this point, it's it's nearly every Republican. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if <laughs> I don't know if your listeners are familiar with this this basic GOP platform, you know, the for the 2024 election was, you know, we'll call it plot 25 because mm-hmm. once they're in office in 2025, they plan to purge mm-hmm. nearly everyone in the federal government and install their own cronies. There's a whole list going around. Yeah. Just individuals, they're going to slide into these important positions at every federal agency, including law enforcement, including the intelligence services. They're going to take over. And they're... <laughs> It's ironic that they have uh, a GOP House Congressional Committee that's supposedly about fighting the weaponization of the mm-hmm. government. And here they are with a plan to take power, weaponize the government. Yep. <laughs> it's just everything. so that's not just Trump kids. You know, if he does somehow manage to lose the, the GOP primary next year, whoever takes his place will likely be just as bad, mm-hmm. if not worse, because they'll be slightly smarter. Definitely. because they'll all learn from from him now he did pave a way and he you know he gave them all kinds of new ideas about how to do things uh you know but he wasn't the brains (laughs) that he's just a fucking idiot he's a fucking idiot he knows what he's doing as far as marketing he's a really good marketer and he knows how to stay relevant his money has helped him stay relevant because like for instance you know, he if if somebody wanted to use the Trump Tower in a movie, it was only if he was allowed to be in the movie. So his money and his position kept him in the public conversation. And um, so, yeah, but the I totally agree that they're going to get smarter as they go along. I mean, and what what else was I was like hearing last night again? I think it was Chris Hayes talking about other countries, other democracies where there were attempted coups and the person, the people involved went to jail it's never been like oh yeah the guy who orchestrated the the coup gets to hang out and play golf for two years (laughs) (laughs) so yeah well you know it fortunately for us here in america well and yes unfortunately depending on how you look at it we do have a country whose judicial system does run in some fashion on the rule of law Mm -hmm. right you can't just lock somebody up just because you think that you have to be able to prove it in a court of law to a jury of the peers and whatnot so on and so forth but on the flip side man when, whenever there's like a, and i think uh, this is probably traumatizing for anyone who survives <laughs> such a scenario but you know anytime there's a mass shooter out there and you right. catch him on tv and his body's strong everywhere no one's sitting there like innocent until proven guilty yeah, no one exactly. does that exactly right and we all saw on january 6th mm-hmm. trump send a mob of people to the capitol to attack congress in order to stay in power and like he should have been locked up that day. Mm-hmm. And if not the very second those people yes. broke into the Capitol, I mean at the very least, when he sent out tweets trying to incite his his followers and kill his own vice president, I mean, I feel like at that point, that's probably the time where somebody needs to be like, I don't care what the rules are, lock his ass up, we'll go to trial tomorrow. Um yeah. but again, you know, pros and cons, I guess. Yes, I mean exactly. it's <laughs> Yeah, this, we're this just, this we're way just, is more harrowing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's every day, every fucking day. I mean, it's basically. I will say this: modern times have convinced me, or or I should say, have been my teacher on how to com- 
compartmentalize because <laughs> I've never been good at it. And so I kind of have to now since this is like what I'm immersed in all day long. I have to compartmentalize and not go. I mean, I kind of lose it on election night because everything hinges on what's going to happen. And that not knowing in, in you know, in those hours is is a little unsettling and it's hard for me to take. I was doing pretty good because I did listen to Christopher Boozy and I listened to um, Simon Rosenberg about, you know, the 2020 election and they were correct. And I had a feeling they were because they weren't the paid for by Republican polls. They were just going off of more independent polls and, and smaller ones across the country. And that's what they were seeing. And so I don't exactly know what Boozy was doing, but um, he's like fucking Mr. Magician figuring out, you know, how things are going to go. But he's been right a lot of the time. And if he's not right, he's very close. So, you know, I mean, I'm going to continue to listen to those guys. But, you know, that doesn't mean I'm not going to be needing some um, Pepto-Bismol on election night. <laughs> well, how do you, like, manage the balancing act between compartmentalizing versus just becoming desensitized to the insanity? Because... I, I sometimes find myself just swallowed by a deluge of information, mm -hmm. which if you had told me all of this might even have been a possibility 10 years ago, I'd be like, you're crazy. That's insane. It'll never happen. And I'm just like, man. Um, I don't know. I think it's the stuff that I do outside of working, you know, and being immersed in all of this. Um, one of the things that I do is I practice – um, intentional manifestation. So, you know, I, I believe that we are, you know, we manifest our own lives with what we think and how we react and what we believe is possible and, and our actions and all of that, that helps determine the way our life unfolds. And I would say in 2019, I kind of started studying it, you know, the best way I could, because there's no like official paper on it or whatever on how to do it. But um, I've dabbled with it my whole life, but I really started getting serious. And I'll say that just trying to figure it out and working, working on it um, is kind of the way I get out of my head and I, or I get out of the details and the nuances of what's going on. And I kind of just try to visualize a life that makes me happy. And that includes, like, I don't think I have so much control over the world or anything like that, but I think that I have, just like we all have, our thoughts, I believe, our energy, and we put it out there. And so if I put out positive thoughts about what's happening, not only does it make me feel better, um, I think it, you know, it has something to do with the energy out there. And maybe, maybe it doesn't have that much influence, but it helps me in my day when I'm feeling completely overwhelmed. And I just, you know, some days are hard. And I like, I think, am I going to grow old in a fascist country? I, and, and that's just too much for me to think. So I just start projecting like what I want to live, where I want to live, you know, in a democracy where I feel comfortable and safe. And, and so, you know, that's a matter of, you know, whether you want to call it meditating. I mean, I don't usually like lay there and meditate because what winds up happening is my mind just starts going, I either fall asleep or I just get completely sidetracked. So someday, some days I can do it, but it's just like meditating when you're doing things like taking a shower, doing the dishes, driving, mindless stuff where, you know, your mind just goes and, and that's kind of what I focus on. And then, then outside of just doing, trying to do some fun stuff, which is 
not I'm going to start doing that more because I've been in I've been a shut in because of COVID. Now my sister's getting married in like almost two weeks. Congratulations. Thank you. And I'm in her wedding. And so um, after the wedding, you going to steal the show. No, no, no. <laughs> um, after the wedding, I'm you know, I told my boyfriend like, OK, that's I'm just going to start doing more shit because we haven't Wait, done a boyfriend, lot. Are we referring to Bob here? Yes, Bob, Mr. Suska. So, yeah, you know, we haven't gone out to dinner. To <laughs> <laughs> we haven't gone out to dinner. We, I mean, we, we have kind of with our families, but like we haven't gone on a date or whatever you want to call it. We haven't done anything like that. So I want to start doing more things like that. So what do you do in order to keep sane in these crazy fucking times? Um, well, I am very different from you. Like you seem to have like a, a more positive <laughs> or, or you try to project a more positive outlook and you, I'm not all for that necessarily. I don't want to dismiss it. It's like woo woo, but just like the the mental aspect of some things is is important because of course you need to have a you know probably a stable emotional space to operate from. But mm-hmm. I just by the way, don't don't let it fool you. Like telling these people, hey, you do all this mindfulness work. You out here grinding too, girl. You put it. You put that mindfulness to work. You you get at it. You've been at it for years here, nonstop. So, like, uh, one thing that comes along with putting yourself in the right mental space is also taking the right action. You mm-hmm. do plenty of that. But um, as for me, uh, my internal self dialogue is a little bit more harsh. I'm more like a, if you let these motherfuckers <laughs> take over, they're going to destroy your country and they're probably going to bring back slavery and yeah. round everyone up and send them to concert. So, you know, like I have that constantly going on in the back of my head. So that's, that's motivation for me. Right. <laughs> and, but you're true. Well, it's I, correct. You're more motivated by a positive outlook and I'm more motivated motivated by avoiding a negative outcome yeah i mean you know look it's it does get exhausting thinking about the potential consequences should things go wrong um but again like like we said with the divergent pathologies Mm -hmm. of liberals and conservatives i mean we have to have people out here who are looking at the potential negative consequences Mm -hmm. and doing everything they can to avoid them as well as the people who are aiming for the positive outcomes and focusing on that, right? That's, again, that's how we have a, a functioning tribe, or at least what we hope to be. Well, and you know what, I'm, I'm with you because it's kind of the same thing. It's kind of like I just turn it into trying to visualize something because I have the same thoughts. And it's like, okay, um, I'm a white woman, so – the slavery aspect is upsetting to me. I don't feel that I'm going to become one, but because I'm a woman, I don't know what that's going to mean for me in a fascist country. Already as a woman, I feel nervous when it comes to the police, um, especially with male cops. And I mean, I've, I've been fortunate in my life that I haven't really had to deal. But like, for instance, I'll give you a I don't know if I told you this the last time, but there was an experience my mom had um, where her car was hit and run. And we were living in Glendale, California, which is a very large uh, Armenian community. And so we called the cops and uh, or somebody called the cops and they got the woman and she was an Armenian woman. And, and the cops in Glendale were um, they're like. Like white supremacist types, <laughs> you know, at least at, at least <laughs> okay. the guys. The, at well, least... That's, that must be why everyone calls Arizona Trump. <laughs> yes. Now, obviously not every cop in Glendale is like that, but I think at some point in Glendale they tried to make it 
I think it was like in the 1950s. It was like English only. They tried to pass an English only thing. But anyway, so the cop, you know, my what was happening? So I think what happened was the woman hit my mother's car and then she left some flyer for like a, a repair shop and somebody saw it. She didn't leave her number. So it was like a hit and run. And the guy started, the guy was making her crawl on the ground or something. And I can't remember why, but like the, the flyer maybe went under the car. So he was trying to get, and my mom said, like, look, I just want her to get a ticket. You know, I, I don't want this. And the cop looked at my mom, like, and, and basically just said, stay out of it. And, you know, and shut up, stay out of it and shut up. And so he humiliated this woman and she deserved a ticket or whatever it is you get for hit and run. Um, not to be humiliated. Also, she had her son. So he, he humiliated her in front of her son. He yelled at my mother, who was upset. She didn't want to see this woman humiliated. She was just pissed off. And, you know, so it's like, I don't necessarily trust the cops when it comes to, are they going to do right by me? But in a fucking fascist country, I don't even want to talk about <laughs> what's going to happen. So it's, 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 it's really scary. And so I go to those places too. But rather than continue to visualize, so I, what I'm trying to do, because a lot of my life, I focused on the negative. And so it's like, okay, so I have that thought that you have. Okay, we're, we're going to turn into a fascist country if we don't fucking do anything. So what can I do that's more positive? Well, I can try to put out a more positive kind of visualization of what I want. And then you're right. I try to take that and, and put it into my messaging. It, it falls flat a lot of the time, especially on social media, because people love to get pissed. You know, they love, <laughs> yes, they, they want to be angry. They ignore the stuff. I mean, sometimes if it's feel good and it's done in the right way, it'll be really popular. But the feel good stuff isn't as popular as the stuff that makes us angry. And so, you know, I mean, I try to throw it out there every once in a while, but that's, you know, I mean, it's because I've always had this like negative self-talk. I've always been harsh on myself. I've, I've always assumed that I was not going to do as well as I should. And, you know, whether it was my acting or whatever. So I'm trying to change that now. You know, I'm just trying to take a new perspective. I don't even want to say try. I am making the effort, but you know, I'm human. So of course I don't always get there, but that's what I strive for. So, <laughs> and it does yeah, help, that, you know, that makes a lot of sense. I, I totally understand. I just, I'm, it, you know, it varies from individual to right. individual, right? Whatever mindset you need to motivate you yes. the most is the one you should probably veer towards, right? Yeah. The one that gets you the, and the one that gets the most positive results. And sometimes it does mean like, you know, I, and, and I'm totally with Rachel Bettecoffer in that we should be scaring Democrats because like Jamie Harrison, who I absolutely adore, you know, he was on my show and he was talking about Democrats need hope and that's what they thrive on. And while I agree with him, we also need to do what the GOP does and scare our voters into fucking showing up and saying, if you don't show up, this is the country we're going to be living in. And, you know, so give them hope, give them solutions, but scare the shit out of them because that's what motivates people. You know, people who are comfortable aren't motivated. So, right. I mean, know. I guess we need both, right? We need the right yes. mix so that people feel motivated to go out and vote, but also a message of, hey, this is what you can have a look forward to mm-hmm. if, if we get in the positions that we need to be. Yeah. I mean, again, I guess everything in life comes down to balance, right? I yeah. suppose. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, as for your fears about what will happen in a fascist country, uh, well, let me regale you with a tale of a time the Secret <laughs> Service came to pay me a visit. Oh my God! <laughs> it's it's not quite. It, well, I'll I'll I won't spoil it for you. So there was <laughs> it was it was 2020. <laughs> Trump was on his campaign trail doing his thing, and I and I decided to get on the Twitter and, and tweet something that I thought was fairly benign and ironic given you know what my screen name is so if you don't know uh my handle on on twitter is black knight 10k but my screen name changes i think we went over this the last time yeah so it's like i smoked and i just change it to whatever whatever the news <laughs> topic of the day or the week shall be you know i don't have any control over what happens i just follow the trend um so i <laughs> i was like i can't wait to smoke the trump administration on election day Right. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Obviously, oh, no. I'm referring to changing my screen name yes. to I-, I Smoke the Trump Administration. Well, lo and behold, I get home from work one day and there's a card at my door and it's from the Secret Service with an individual telling me to give him a call. I'm like, oh shit, what oh, can it be? Because like at this point, it's been a couple of weeks since that tweet, so I'm not even thinking about that. I'm like, holy, who knows what the hell's going on here? What kind of insanity what might we be dealing with today? Well, I get the guy a call, and he, we start a conversation. He was like, sir, do you know why I'm calling you? I was like, bro, I have no idea. Can you get to the point? And he was like, and he, he seemed rather embarrassed about this, actually. He was like, well, what, what I'd like to start off with is blah, 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 and then such and such. I was like, get to it, dude. And he was like, well, on such and such date, you tweeted. And that's when I lost my mind. I was like, what? You showed up in my house there with a tweet? And he was like, yeah, this is the tweet. And it's like, bro, use some context clues here. What's my screen name on there? What is the tweet? Put two into And he's like, yeah, I'm so sorry. You know, we got to do this. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, they do have, wow. the Secret Service does have legitimate function, right? They mm-hmm. do have to protect their, their um, high value targets against potential violence or whatever so i totally understand that and then, you know it makes sense and the guy explained he was like you know we got to your place and we saw where you live and he was like well this isn't what we were expecting you're not the kind of individual we would normally have our sights set on now, you know i <laughs> i assume if you see my profile picture i've got like a, i'm a black dude in a beanie on on twitter <laughs> but like clearly i'm not your average hoodlum <laughs> so I'm sure that's what they were expecting right. to show up to, and they're like, "No, he lives in an actually really decent condo, and it's got like a security <laughs> officer at the front desk." And they're like, "Oh, this is a surprise!" And you know, by the end of this, you know, by the end of like the whole ordeal, when they came to talk to me in person, the dude was like, "Hey, have you ever thought about joining the Secret Service?" Oh I was like, God, no, that's fucking hilarious. Well, I didn't say that, but I was thinking, oh it. but and and I point this out because, ironically, uh, is this individual is tasked with hunting down tips from social media mm-hmm. uh, between November and January. We had thousands of people plotting out in the open on social media, like in front of everyone, a goddamn coup, an attempt to overthrow the government by all rights. And in fact, we even had Mike Pence's chief of staff go to the head of his security service detail and be like, I think Trump's going to try and have him killed. And what did the Secret Service do on January 5th? Not a goddamn thing. What did they do on January 6th? Not a goddamn thing. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I can imagine in a world where everything would function as it's supposed to, I would have had zero Secret uh, Secret Service officers show up at my door 
and we'd have had a thousand of them yeah. at Washington at the Capitol on January 6th. Nope, it's not the case. Well, luckily for me, these individuals were quite nice, mm-hmm. if not embarrassed, um, about the nature of their job because they're like, hey, we're supposed to be out here tracking down real threats and we're dealing with your dumbass. I'm like, yeah, I feel <laughs> the same way about your dumbass. <laughs> well, you know, if Republicans get back in power, uh, imagine the kind Oh of, my God! Yes, the fascist activities uh-huh. they will get up to with the Secret Service, FBI, CIA, yeah, NSA. Yes, they're they're going to be sending the powers of the federal government uh-huh. to bear down on the population, or at least those of which that don't agree with an authoritarian state. Yeah, and I mean, just to add to that, when I was 12 years old, I lived in Moscow, Russia, because my dad worked for ABC News, and he was a cameraman, so that was full-on Soviet. Now, granted, I don't think that if Donald Trump or any of the Republicans ever became president again, that we would live in a communist Russian, you know, type thing, but it would be fascist. And one of the things that I used to do, and I learned this because a friend of mine, okay, now my, a girlfriend of mine, sh- her father was a diplomat. So be, the diplomats got a little bit more um, fancy, fancy living situations and they got a little bit more privilege than the correspondents did. So I would spend a lot of time with my girlfriend, Cindy, and she lived in the um, American embassy. And we could feel in the wall where it was tapped. And, or at least we thought we could. And, and we would, it was funny because we would always talk about how like, bad guys were going to smuggle charms blow pops into Russia, but they were really going to explode. <laughs> we, we thought we were so fucking clever scaring the Russians. But, um, but you know, I, I knew that they tapped, right? So one time, my friends and I were at this other, it was another apartment building, not in the embassy, and we were playing ball, and the ball rolled into this room what was an apartment and the door was open and we went to go get the ball and like every that was all the Russians were sitting there with fucking headphones on like listening <laughs> and um and then the other thing was there was a couple different things but because of this I started trapping like putting up little traps in my home so if if we were going to take a day trip or something like that I would or if we were going to be out I would like put strands did you do the bubblegum wrapper on the door things no you know, i did the stra- <laughs> strands of hair so i would like wrap strands of hair around certain cupboards and whatnot and i'd come home and they'd all be broken so they were clearly looking through our house and i mean there was a number of things that you know went down and so i knew in fact my the same girlfriend cindy and i um there were there were the guards that stood out of like outside guarding the embassy and oh my god, I, we used to fucking torture them, and we would throw <laughs> shit at them. And I would, I, I, I know they hated me, and I hated them, and I thought they were horrible. And so we got these magazines. They were like Time Magazine, Newsweek, whatever. And there was this way that Russians would wrap like packages if you went to the store. And so I, and it was basically like pa- like brown paper, but it wasn't a bag. They would just wrap it up. So I wrapped the magazines up the way the Russians would do it. And I wrote really big secret documents. And so we here these two dorky 12-year-olds come running out of the embassy and like, oops, I dropped my secret document so they could see it. 
And then I pick up the secret document <laughs> and then we go around the side of the embassy and we hit it in this like stairwell area. And we stayed there for a few minutes and then we left. And then we came back a couple hours later and it was gone. <laughs> and it was like, oh my God, we couldn't have been more dork, like such dorks, not threatening at all. And they took us so seriously that they stole our bullshit, you know, fucking secret documents. So, That's I mean, incredible. I had a taste of, of what it was like in a way that I was never really fearful of anything that was going to happen to me. But I could just see it. I mean, I could see where they were tapping us and and going through our shit. And I just was like, wow, you know, I, I, I and that's oh, my God. In 2017, when when it came out, I mean, Hillary was talking about it, but I really didn't start paying attention until after Trump was elected. And I realized Putin helped him. And that scared me because I was like, dude, is KGB. And I lived in a KGB run country and it was so scary so, um, yeah, I mean, and, and, and this is all going to go back to it's up to us. It's up to us. We all have to fucking save this country. Every Kamala Harris said it. We cannot take democracy for granted. We have to work for it every single day. And I mean, I hope that it, it seems to me, I think with these trials that are going to be happening, all this legal shit, the Republicans c doubling down on abortion and gay rights and all of it i think people are just going to be fed up i'm hoping that's what's going to happen but it seems like it's been a trajectory you know ever since trump came in office democrats have been winning so i hope this because eventually it's not going to happen and i hope that by the time the republicans win again they've cleaned up some of their shit so that at the very least we can expect their old bullshit shenanigans and not the trump version you know well i'm not hoping for that and not, not expecting either, you know, but, preparing you know, for the worst uh, and listeners, just in case you aren't sufficiently scared enough, I would like to point out um, that, you know, speaking of Russia, uh, moving on from the FSB here, Putin had his private army, basically, the Wagner Group. Uh, well, Trump's idea, once he gets reelected, is to follow in Putin's footsteps yes. and establish his own private army. Yay! So that's what you have to look forward to if you don't fucking vote for Joe Biden. Yep. So you got to, and none of this bullshit third party, I swear to God, don't make me come and beat your ass because do not vote for fucking, I mean, I don't know who is going to run third party this time. Is, is Cornell Rust West running third party or Democrat? Is he running? Uh, he's running third party as oh, far as I'm aware. Fuck him. I hate uh, that guy. Like... Oh, he makes me so angry. I, I used to like him and now I'm just like, why did I ever like him? He's an idiot. He's, he's just in it for himself. Idiot is a very uh, bland word for him. He, he, he's, well, he's a grifter, like, yes, right? He, he, he tries to propagate some of the positive things you would expect from a liberal candidate, right. but it's always mired in some bullshit that's aimed at making Democrats lose. And yes. that's how you know they're just trying to rack up the dollars. Yep. 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 Him and him and Ryan Knight with the sickle in his fucking name. God, that guy. Yeah, it's supposedly it's supposedly ironic, but it's actually Lou. It, yeah, it is not. He was fucking Ryan Knight was praising Vladimir Lenin. <laughs> oh my God, he's clearly getting. You know, there 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 is a, not a rumor, but uh, what is it? Theory about him that I've heard from others that you know maybe he's working for he's working for someone. He's getting paid, and I I mean nobody says duopoly as much as he does and naturally no one does but um he 
I think what it might be is that like he's working for what he thinks is a progressive group, but it's really under the umbrella of Russians <laughs> because they're feeding him the Lenin shit. I guarantee you Ryan Knight doesn't know jack shit about Vladimir Lenin. And, <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> and I mean, I I'm was sure fucking I'm Lenin sure he's too. read like one Karl Marx quote here, or there or something. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. But before I, we're going to wrap this up, but I just have to throw in before we go. And I don't know if this is actually going to happen, but evidently, this is so dumb. Ron DeSantis agreed to debate Gavin Newsom. And for, for those of you, I swear to God, Gavin Newsom is like a walking encyclopedia. Whether you like him or not like, doesn't matter. If you ask him a question about anything, he knows all the nuance. He knows all, the, he doesn't have to reference it. Like he doesn't have to go reference his notes. He just has it at the top of his head. He's so fucking smart well, and he's so good at this. And I just can't imagine that DeSantis is actually going to go through with this. Well, I would like to point out Gavin Newsom is an example of taking one of your perceived weaknesses and, and turning it into a strength. Um, so, and, and this is not just to disparage Newsom. Like supposedly he's, he's been dealing with the dyslexia for quite a while. And, and one of the ways he compensates for that. It's just being ravenous with like rote memorization mm -hmm. of important information. So he just vacuums up everything he possibly yes. can. And then he can like reverberate all that information to you at will. That's, that's probably yeah. why he's such so fantastically gifted at the art of speech. But yes, he would like eat DeSantis alive. I mean, if anyone's seen these clips of DeSantis here lately going about campaigning and such, like the minute he has to interact with people, yeah. it all implodes. And you can see why his popularity has only gone down since he's launched this campaign. Yeah. So Gavin Newsom, Chairman Newman, uh, he won a debate, Kamala Harris or something. That was insane. Over, over, like she would eat him alive too. Like he, he needs to focus on beating Republicans. He can't even do that. I know, I know. <laughs> well, I think I think Elon Musk's mother is going to say no. There's going to be no debate. <laughs> no, well, you know, no fight between Zuckerberg and Elon, and no debate between fuck it. I, you know, I I will say this, and I'm going to ask you. This is the last question I'm going to ask you. Now, I disagree with this sentiment, but I had posted that DeSantis is going to debate Newsom, and somebody said. Well, I just think that it's not going to be Joe Biden and Gavin Newsom is going to be the nominee in 2024 and he's going to win. Now, I have no doubt if if Gavin Newsom were the nominee, I think that he would have a really good shot. I don't think that he's going to be. The only way I, I could even see that happening is if something happened to Joe Biden and he decided to step down, um, you know, and then I don't know. I don't know how they would do it. If they can't just go, oh, it's going to be Gavin because there's got to be a selection. But no, I'm sure we'd have a random primary thrown together at some yeah. point. They, yeah, they there would, would find be a way. something. And I, I mean, I, um, I could see easily Gavin winning. But, but what do you think about this idea that Democrats are arguing that Joe Biden is not going to be on the ticket? Because I think it's bullshit. Uh, wish casting? Yeah. Yeah, they, they don't like Biden for whatever reason, regardless of how good of a job it is yeah. that he's done cleaning up Trump's disaster Which over the past two and a half years, yeah. and they just want someone else. I don't know. Don't know what to tell you there. Like like you said, barring some unforeseen horrific, horrific circumstances, mm -hmm. Biden's your nominee. Mm -hmm. Just get used to it now Like and go <laughs> ahead and plan on selling his accomplishments to the country because that's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to, even if you don't like Biden, you can't lie about the fact that he's done a fantastic job. No so suck it up. Start kissing his butt just like I do. <laughs> I got no shame in kissing his butt. 
And you know why? Because Biden didn't have any shame kissing Obama's butt when Obama was president. <laughs> so follow his lead. Like if the man's doing a good job, throw him his flowers. Mm-hmm. Like you Prince Hakeem and coming from coming to America. Yes. <laughs> I totally agree. And, you know, many of us underestimated Biden, but boy, has he turned out to be such an amazing president. And I honestly believe, I mean, I don't know moving forward how we're going to be looking at this, but he was the man for that moment. And he, you know, his whole thing is I'm passing the torch. And if you look at his judicial nominees, I mean, more women and, and you know, people of color, he's, he's doing what he promised and I, I don't think there could be anything as a perfect president, but he's as close as you're going to get, especially considering who he followed. So I'm with you. Biden is the guy. And, you know, I'm not going if, if, if something happens, we'll deal with it. But until then, Biden is the guy. And that's just how I'm going to look at it. And I think that's how everybody should be looking at it, because this whole bullshit wish, wishful. I want it to be somebody. Oh, my God. It's, we're, <laughs> it, we're, we're facing fascism here. Get over yourself. I just, people don't understand. I think that's it. They either just don't understand or they're just so fucking stupid that I can't even deal. So <laughs> Priorities. They don't have them in order. Right. A hundred percent. Oh my God. All right. Well, as usual, it was so much fun talking to you on this uh, historic day. And um, Yes. Happy arraignment day happy to arraignment everyone who celebrates. Day. Pop your champagne. <laughs> okay. So before I let you go, tell everyone where to find you. Yes. You can find me on Twitter at Black Knight 10K, like the number 10 and the letter K. Um, also on threads and, and spoutable as well as D Knight 10K. And you can check out the podcast, Part of the Insurrection. It's found everywhere podcasts are available. Also, again, unlike uh, the socialist there, like that title is ironic. We're not handing out any parts or recommending <laughs> anyone do so. Uh, if you had, haven't had a chance to actually read Trump's indictment or it's too long and you're lazy, there's an audio version of that on the podcast as well. And if you haven't read the January 6th report, because if you had most of that information in the in the indictment would have been available in the report, there's an audio version of that on the podcast as well. So come on by, kids. Check us out. It's fantastic. We're dope. We don't pull any punches. And we try and do a good job of promoting Joe Biden and protecting our democracy. So check check out the podcast. Start the insurrection. Yes, pardon the insurrection. That's very cool. Of course, I'm author Kimberly on Twitter, L-E-Y. And then, oh my God, there's all the other places. So I'm Kimberly A. Johnson on threads and Instagram <laughs> and Kimberly Johnson on Spoutable. So, you know, I, I, all everything's listed in my pinned tweet. So just go there if you want to find me, if you're not already following me. And of course, it was wonderful talking to you as per usual. So thank you. And I can't wait to talk to you again. Absolutely. It's a pleasure talking to you as well. We get to do this again soon. Yes, we will. Take care.